you need to be really clear on what you want your life and your business to look like. It needs to be life by design, business by design, because once you've chosen that, it's very easy to choose do you want local, national or global business. I'm Samantha Riley, and after being in business for 20 years, I took the leap of faith from a traditional bricks and mortar business into the online world and created a business based around my expertise. Now I have a life that gives me the freedom to work wherever I have an internet connection. I'm now obsessed with helping the unheard experts who are brilliant at what they do but feel like the world's best kept secret transform to influential thought leaders, all while creating a business which gives them the freedom to create their life by design. Join me as we explore the strategies that you can implement to create and grow a business based on your expertise. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab Thursday edition. I'm here with my Thursday co-host, Tim Hyde. Welcome, Tim. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm very good. Snazzy new hairstyle you've got there. No, it's all come off. You see, I sat there, <laughs> I don't, yeah. It's not really a hairstyle, is it? There's no, no hair. No, no. Yeah, there's a little bit there. I, I sat down the other day and my wife has, was nagging me about shaving it. She thought I might look a bit like Ragnar Lothbrok from Vikings on Netflix, if you've ever seen that one. No, I have not, but you yes. You should. It's a great, great movie, and actually uh, Australia actually plays the lead there. But, uh, my best mate has then turned around and said, you look like a cross between Lex Luthor and Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that was the look I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs enemies when you've got friends handing out compliments like that? I know, that's the best one he's given me all year. <laughs> God, dropping the bundle took him to what, September, October to get that one out? <laughs> oh, no, terrible, terrible. Now, you're looking fabulous as well. Now, you've just come back from a trip to the US. It was actually inspired today's episode, but uh, you had an amazing time over there, I know had such a fabulous time. A big shout out to all my MapCon new friends, which is now actually independent podcast conference. So that's super exciting. Excellent. Well, anyway, that's inspired today's episode. We, we thought we might talk about why you'd, I guess, choose to do business locally, nationally or globally. Absolutely. Because I think, you know, with the internet now, we've got so many opportunities to do business how we might choose it. And we thought we'd look at the sort of the pros and cons of each. But I know I mean, it's in your name, SamanthaRiley.Global. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, okay. Sam, you're running a nice local business, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is a global business now, but I think I'm pretty sure you have too, Tim. But I've yep. run a local business, a national business, and a global business. So I've had a sneak peek into all of these different business models and there are different reasons why I've chosen to do each of these models. I know that you've run a local business. Have you run, have a run local and now doing? Haven't really done a, lot, a national business. I mean, a lot of a lot of my business still comes from Australia, and that's mm-hmm. probably where the majority of it comes from. But I um, I added to them up the other day, and I've now done business in twenty three different countries. Oh, that's very this, cool. Which is quite a few. <laughs> yeah, that's and awesome. that's 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 intru- it's, it's really introducing an interesting challenges at times as well um, yeah. and we thought we'd go into that but I, before we go into that in, in detail pros and cons i want to know why you chose now to run a global business and, and so so much so that you've even brand your, branded yourself as a global business totally 
So for me, back in 2010, when I started looking into my coaching business, what I did before I decided what business I wanted to run, I actually started off with what do I want my business or what do I want my life to look like? And at that time, the biggest thing for me was freedom. I'd got to a point where my children had left home and I wanted to travel more. That's what I love to do. So for me, it made so much sense to run a global business because I could use the opportunities to travel around the world while I was working, which is what I've done with my business a lot. You know, back in when I had the dance studio days, we used to go and dance at Disneyland and Disney World and Universal Studios. And I used those activities, I guess, to not only bring the children together or the families together, but a chance to go overseas and be able to do some of these amazing things, have amazing opportunities. And I wanted to do that all the time. So that's one of the reasons I chose a global business. And the other is having a larger pool of clients to choose from. Yeah, it's not just you know how many businesses of this particular type happen to live in my own neighbourhood, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really if I've got a, a niche and then created a niche, you know, the more of those. I'm quite fond of saying, you know, if you wanted to choose astronauts as a niche, you could go down to English-speaking astronauts recently returned from the space station right, who are having trouble re- rehabilitating to Earth's gravity. And that would be a very hard business to run locally. But yeah. <laughs> Especially in Australia. <laughs> well, you might have a very – you might have not many clients. <laughs> but globally, you know, there, there's probably enough of those clients that you could actually run a successful business from that particular yeah. service. Why have you chosen a global business, Tim? I think for me, probably the same thing. I, you know, I've travelled extensively um, throughout my life and, and the same sort of things. I wanted to create a business moving from a very hyper-local one to one where the, for the same reasons that if I wanted to, I could travel and do it from anywhere. And that's more the design of the business rather than you know, where I'm getting clients from. But I guess the opportunity to work with different people in different countries is also something that's really interesting to me as well. Mm. I've, I've, you know, one of the things that appeals to me about travel is that it gets to put me in experiences and, and places that put me a little bit outside my comfort zone. Of course, that's the, the place we grow personally as well, yes. but also to experience what challenges people have in different countries, which I think I can bring back here locally and go, well, you know, I'm not that different from other people, even though we might look different or speak with a different accent. Yeah. And that's why I've been something that's uh, that's appealed to me. <laughs> totally, totally. We've both chosen global, but obviously it's not for everybody. I've yeah. got clients that actually run national businesses for specific reasons, and it's not just by accident that they've chosen this. It always comes back to what do you want your life by design to look like? You're in charge of what of designing your life. What do you want that to look like? How do you build this business to match? And then what does that look like? So we thought we'd go through some of the pros and cons today of running these different types of businesses. Well, the other things I guess there, Sam, is that you may not have a business that suits a national global model. Exactly. Uh, And And we were were having a little bit of a laugh about this before we started recording. (laughs) If you have a fish and chip shop, it may be a little hard to run globally because your chips would arrive a little bit soggy. <laughs> yes, maybe. Unless oh, they're, unless God, they're terrible joke. That was a dad joke. Oh. Look, 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 for most of us, for most of us who are selling information-based products, right? So coaches, consultants. You know, if, we, if we're doing an information-based product or service, we do often have the opportunity to work 
you know, globally, nationally, or locally, right? If you're constrained by the delivery range of how far you can throw a paper plane, right? Maybe locals, locals, your thing. And you kind of I think you've got to look at different, you know, what best suits your business model, and as you say, best suits the kind of lifestyle that you want to create from that. And and just because you and I both like to travel doesn't mean to say you can't have a local business. Correct. That, you can, that can run, <laughs> hopefully, without you because it is then it is a business. Not just well, a absolutely. Job. I when I had my local businesses, I still travelled a lot. It's just that I didn't travel so much with the business. So it, it, I still travel, don't, don't get me wrong. I think one of the, the first pros to having a local business is that you know your local area, you can meet with your clients face-to-face, and if you get this right, you can really, really own or become the known authority quite easily in your niche in your local area. You know, you might be somehow dealing with business owners in the western area of Sydney, you would easily be able to run a business coaching business purely focusing on the western suburbs of Sydney. There is plenty enough business there and you could totally own that area and almost become the, you know, the rock star of that area. You could even be, you know, western Sydney business coach for Vietnamese restaurants. Absolutely. And you would totally own that. All you can eat, literally. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the other, I think the other advantage there of, of really having that local business is that you're really dealing with a single time zone. And I know you and I, Sam, and I started work at, at 6.30 this morning for calls to the US and it was already midday over in the US and, and quite often I have to miss, you know, podcasts or, or, or webinars, you know, that I want to be on because they run at 2 and 3 a.m. in the morning and Clearly, I've had my beauty sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I have occasionally got up. I remember doing a live radio interview at 3 a.m. One, one morning, and it was the whole dilemma of do I go to bed and wake up really early or do I, or do I stay up and go to bed late? But it's, it's not something that I make a habit of. Well, it is, but you, you need to kind of work a little bit. Uh, although it's lifestyle by design and some business by design and we want to kind of be able to search. We've also got to work when we want, and we can do that as coaches and consultants. We've also got to be cognizant that we need to be able to work when our clients are working, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, having that local time zone means that, you know, the standard operating hours of nine to five, you're up and awake and you're kind of in the office when your clients are in the office, and that's a real advantage of being of being local. And even like knowing, knowing the local area and, and cafes and saying, you know, we'll go and meet here and, you know, and, and face-to-face networking, of course, is a big advantage there as well that you can sort of get into the community of people who are doing the same things as you are. Absolutely. You know, locally as well. Absolutely. So what are some of the cons of running a local business? Look, I think the two two or three biggest ones there are that, you know, firstly, and probably the biggest one I think is that you are really affected by the local economics and events or war. Mm town or whatever okay so you know if you're in a town that happens to be dominated by a mining industry i'm in canberra for example the mining industry in canberra is federal government and you know every time we have an election for about six months prior to fred's election things massively shut down and if you're reliant on you know that single industry or single resource locally you're going to be very affected by local economic conditions conditions or events yes it could even be as simple as seasons. Yeah, yeah. Well, we know, you know, if parts of the US practically freeze over, right, and that makes it very difficult to kind of get out and do business, 
locally or your customers to get to you if you're local as well. If you're running a lot of local events and it's either cold or early or rainy, that might affect people's ability to get to your events and your workshops. Yeah. Or so, excuses. One <laughs> more excuses. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other thing, the other one there is, is that you do in some ways have to potentially broaden your niche a little bit in order to get enough of the right kind of client into your world. Right? So if you're Vietnamese restaurants, right, and there are only five Vietnamese restaurants in your city, right, that's the total pool of clients that you could potentially work with. Yeah. Although right. I will just say that really does, again, depend on what it is that you do. For example, when I ran my dance studio and that was a local business, the really small niche actually helped. Yep. So it really does depend on your business. Obviously, we're talking about expertise businesses, you know, coaching, consulting, course creators. However, you know, some of you may have a traditional business as well and that niche will still serve you in a local area. That's right. I mean, if you're mowing lawns, uh, most suburbs have around 2,000 houses in them, okay? That's plenty mm -hmm. of lawn, lawns just in your own suburb that mm. you could potentially sell to. Yeah, Totally. So that's local business. Yeah, uh, national. Business. It's yeah. interesting that when we were doing these, Sam, that they sort of switched around a little bit, didn't they? You know, the pros for the local business became cons for national, you know, cons for the national one. And Absolutely. Yeah, it just all flipped on its head, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think pros for running a national business is that you've got, you know, a couple of key advantages, I think. You know, one is really understanding the language and culture. <laughs> no, I'm laughing here because... <laughs> when I was in the States a couple of weeks ago, the biggest thing that was said over and over and over is, oh, wait, hang on, do you have that in Australia? Oh, wait, hang on, do you understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> and it was, I've been to the States a ton, but this particular trip, for some reason, I don't know why, there were so many language nuances that I hadn't heard before. And there were so many things that didn't make sense on either side of the table. Yeah. And it's crazy how two English-speaking languages can be so different. Yeah. Well, when the really good example is, you know, diary, calendar you know, for yeah. US and Australia. I had one recently where I connected with a guy on LinkedIn and said, well, you know, what was the biggest takeaway from my article? And he, of course, said, it was, I'm not sure why you're asking me this, but my biggest takeaway was chicken and seafood and potatoes and cola. <laughs> right? Thinking takeaway referred to food that you, you know, get delivered to your house as oh. opposed to lesson learned from the sort of message I put out. So there are those little cultural and language nuances, I think, um, when you start to deal with, you know, even within a big country like Australia and the US, if you're in a smaller one, it's probably not as, not as great. But there are still cultural and language nuances that you need to be aware of. And in your home country you're going to get those a lot better and be easier to understood both in the kinds of language you use but also even just, you know, your speech. So some of our, and especially in Australia, some of our little slang sayings that make total sense to us make no sense to people overseas. They look at us like we're a bit strange, which is probably because we are. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's, there's another advantage there that we have this sort of, sense of national identity and in every country we're trying to buy local mm -hmm, as much mm -hmm. as possible and so you know um, buying from someone who speaks like you is is an advantage I guess as well mm -hmm. having a sort of either a local or a national business model 
Totally. Another pro for a national business is if you've got some sort of physical product, it's a lot easier to organise the delivery and freight for costs, for just ease of getting your products packed up and sent out. To be able to, to have to send physical products overseas can be extremely expensive. I know that I've gone to order things online before that, you know, come in, you know, it might be something little that fits in a little tiny box the size of a book and it'll come back, oh, shipping $60. And it's like, oh, product $10, shipping $60. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> well, yeah, um, but, yeah, but, I must know, admit I've done, the same, I've done the same thing where I've, I've bought something and I've got, oh, then I've noticed it's being delivered from another country and I'll, I'll look for a local option. Yeah, because it's cheaper. So if, you've, if you're sending out training manuals or something from your office or from your home, it's going to be a lot easier to organise delivery nationally. Okay, what about cons? What do you reckon? Cons, it's a little bit harder to get penetration over your local business. Uh, if you don't want to travel and go to national conferences and meet people, it's a little bit harder to get that to get that penetration. Yeah, because they just go, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the first questions. Where are you based? Oh, you're there. <laughs> I, well, it's I'm funny. Sorry. So I had someone in Brisbane reach out about six months ago and ask the best person I know in PR. Straight away, without even thinking, I sent back, this is the person, would you like a connection? Yep, that'd be great. Perfect for the, you know, it was it was just a perfect match between the client and the person that was delivering the service. Yep. What ended up coming back when I chased it up and said, how did you go with that introduction? Oh, no, the person was in Brisbane and the PR person was in Sydney. They wanted someone locally. I went, what, do they need, you know, carrier pigeons to send their mail as well? <laughs> <laughs> But some people like to deal with people. Well, is that is that face to face? I think when we think internet and Zoom and Skype and all that sort of um, technologies, FaceTime and so on, there is still an advantage and connection you make face to face that you can't make online. Yeah. Or yeah. over a, or over a video conference. Yeah. So if you're in the running for a big, put in a big project. You know, you will need to get on a plane and go and see that person. You, you know, if it's just the way it works. Yeah, and so yeah it's going to be an advantage. On, yeah, depending on what your business model is, but there's okay. not really too many cons to running no. a national business. No, look, it's, you're going to have some slightly higher travel costs, right? But your pool's bigger. There's more clients. I think everyone who's doing business locally should certainly think about doing business nationally. And the own the biggest time gap is three hours. That's yep. the maximum time difference across the country, three hours. Yep. That's for uh, Australia. I think the US is the same from Pacific to Eastern, three, three hours. Uh, so three. Three? Don't know about Canada. Canada's. Oh, unless you're in the former Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't that think I'm pointing listeners in the Soviet Union, but if I do, please come and let me know <laughs> how, how, much, how much the time difference is. But anyway, we're totally, totally getting off track. We are off. Okay, now global. All right, why would you do global? Global, big pro is that you can get really, really double down in your niche and your opportunities increase because there are people all over the world, not just in your local area. So <coughs> now talking a global population, which means you can get really, really, really tight in your niche and know that in most instances there's enough people to, to build your business. Yes, uh, astronauts might be, you know, English-speaking astronauts, reasonably <laughs> to the space station. It's a very small niche. <laughs> 
You you like that one, don't you, Tim? (laughs) Well, yes, because there's probably not very many. (laughs) I don't know. I've never actually looked at it in detail, but I don't think there'd be too many of those. (laughs) (laughs) And and the other pro is that you're not really prone to economic variances as much as local and national. Yeah, because if you're doing business in two, three, four countries, you know, even if your local economy is a bit tight or there's local events that are, are causing sort of a downturn where you are, you know, you've got that opportunity to do business from, with other people. And again, because that bigger niche, you know, that there's more of those people in whatever niche you've chosen, it becomes very easy to find, you know, a number of people, you know, will not care because that's just their biggest pain point right now. Yeah, totally. Right? I did hear years ago this, this awesome state saying um, that says you don't need 100 customers, you, know, you need one customer 100 times. So, yeah. so good. So, totally. if you pick, so if you pick that, I think I can't recall where I heard this or why I looked this up. I think it was related to acupuncturists, uh, that there are 40,000 acupuncturists in the United States. Wow. Out of 25 million businesses, so, you know, there's a few of them. But, you know, if, even if you can sell needles to acupuncturists, <laughs> <laughs> right, yes, that's a niche, right, but you could only you could pick – in acupuncturists with five or more staff who've been in business for 10 years and you know, oh. still have 5,000 or 10,000 to choose from. And that's, you know, if, you're, if you've got 10,000 clients, you're doing okay. Yeah. You don't need 10,000 clients. Yeah. So what are some of the cons? I think that, you know, probably one of the biggest cons, I mean, and we've got three, I think we've written down three here, definitely harder to create influence. Mm-hmm. Right, um, because you are competing with so many other people, unless you're super niche down. Right, if you the more general you are, you are the harder it is to create um, penetration if you're on, on a global scale. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in here though, because just in case people take out of context what we've just said here, it's harder to create the penetration. However, I think it's actually easier to create influence because if you get your niche just right. I think it's actually easier to find people globally that really believe what you believe. Yeah. Yeah, again, but you've got a niche down. You can't just be, yeah, I'm, I'm a business coach and I work with small businesses. That, work, that won't work. However, if you double down, double down again and get really, really tight in your niche, and that's what you need to do to have a global business. You really need to niche down so that you can create that influence. Yep. Okay, second Con? Yeah, the, the, the travel cost, if you want to meet with your clients face-to-face, that has to be factored into your business. Yeah, I mean, that, that can be significant cost if you're sort of flying back and forth, back and forth between countries. And well, actually, well, you, you it just is tax deductible though. <laughs> yeah, but only a portion of it. I will tell you a little, this is just a little side note, it's got nothing to do with that, but we did a week and a half in the US and we came back and we hit the road for a week and a half in New South Wales, yeah. Yeah. We did a road trip up to Byron Bay, had a great time. Anyway, we're up at Byron Bay and ordered a glass of wine and the bartender cracked me up. He said, that's really expensive wine. It was $10.50 for a start, (laughs) so it was a really expensive wine. He's like, that's really expensive. I'm like, No, that was the glass. I don't drink $10.50 bottles of wine. You know me better than that. I do, I do. But anyway. Life is too short to drink shit wine. (laughs) It totally is too short to drink shit wine. But we've just come back from the US where it probably cost me $12 for a glass, US. Take into account the exchange rate. Take into account local tax. 
take into account tipping, my glass of wine was costing me around $20. <laughs> I'll take my expensive $10.50 glass of wine. Thank you. <laughs> Love the context. Oh, dear. Anyways, Love yes. So, yeah, travel can have significant costs. But on that, Americans, you'll have a great time coming to Australia. That's right. That's right. You'll be able to get your glass of wine for about $7. <laughs> it's actually a really lovely glass $6. of wine. And you won't need to tip. Because uh, we have exactly. wage here. All right. Now, the other one, of course, is time this zones. Is, I yeah. think this is the this, biggest one. Yeah, this the is, and this is the hardest one, I guess, particularly. I mean, US and Australia is, is not too bad. Um, you know, our morning is, is afternoon in the west coast of the US. Yeah. Um, east coast becomes a bit harder. But certainly if you're trying to do um, business to Europe, England, uh, even Africa, you know, we, we're having to deal with massive big time shifts. I had a, a client in in the UK recently that I was working with and it was an 11-hour shift. Yeah, right? and you're Before talking we were, completely the opposite end of the day. That's right. So, you know, we were doing calls at, you know, either first thing in the morning or was it 11 o'clock, you know, their time, midday mine. So, you know, yeah. it can be very, very difficult. Or I'm up at sort of 6 a.m. to do a call, you know, the sort of late afternoon. And so it can be very, very difficult to do time zones. And I know if you're providing some form of ongoing support service, you know, I've got um, people I work with who, for example, might have a local support team overseas as well. So, you know, get a team in Venezuela if you're trying to support the US. Yeah, that's exactly kind of right. I, uh, when, know, I was in want... the, well, when I was in the US, just my, my team's in the Philippines, it was just that bit harder. By the, time, by the time they were starting the day, I was usually a couple of wines down at the other end of the day, <laughs> which uh, my assistant told me was the funniest three weeks. He said, you're so much more fun. Absolutely. So that can be a real challenge, I think, for that yeah, yeah. reason. So, yeah, while it's easy to find more of your niche and, you know, potentially be, you know, as a specialist be able to charge more, you do have to deal with those time zones, travel, you know, travel costs and, and so on that, that can make doing business just that bit, bit harder. Yeah. So to wrap up and to circle back with what we very first said, you need to be really clear on what you want your life and your business to look like. It needs to be life by design, business by design, because once you've chosen that, it's very easy to choose if you want local, national or global business because we've been talking about the costs of travel and time zones and different things, but I wouldn't have my business any other way. I love my global business. I love having clients from all over the world and, you know, it's something that I really enjoy and I know that you do too, Tim. So that, that, that's where I want to circle back to. Absolutely. But look, you know, it's, again, it's whatever works for you. So, um, hopefully, hopefully our pros and cons made it a little bit easier for you to decide. Absolutely. Coming up next week. Next week. Oh, my God, we got a cool episode. <laughs> We've been talking about this one a bit off air, haven't we? We have, that, we have. That is, um, that's cost, for, cost versus investment. Yes, talking about business, not uh, not purchasing property, unless you're a developer. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the cost, the cost in your business versus an investment in your business, what they both are and the different points that you need to take into consideration when you're spending money in your business which is pretty much all the time pretty much i know look i just wish there was as many incoming transactions in my bank account as outgoing ones <laughs> <laughs> oh dear tim i'm sure there are <laughs> 
No. <laughs> and we need to talk. They are, they are of different sizes, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> the, the totals add up, not necessarily the number of them. Now, of course, if you've liked today's episode, we'd love a shout-out, um, like, share or uh, comment uh, on wherever you found this episode today. We'd love to get your feedback, what you learned, what your takeaway was, what your lesson learned was. Absolutely, <laughs> take it. Not just chicken and steak. Oh, soggy chips and, and <laughs> glasses of wine? No. So if you're on Instagram, take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Tim and I and let us know, do you have a local business? Do you have a national business? Do you have a global business? We'd love to know where you're running a business to and why. Absolutely. That's it for today. We'll catch you all next Thursday uh, for another episode of the Port Business Business Lab where we get into cost versus investment. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders in a Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode, and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.